Hi, I'm Guy Powell, and welcome to the next episode of The Backstory on Marketing. If you haven't already done so, please visit ProRelevant.com and sign up for more of these episodes and podcasts. So the big question today is, what does it take to change the brand in healthcare? No one thinks about the challenges of building a brand in healthcare more than Dow Berksma, the CMO of Piedmont Healthcare. He's done it, and he's done it in spades. Um, for me, though, I am the author of the newly released book, The Post-COVID Marketing Machine, Prepare Your Team to Win. And you can find more information on this at marketingmachine.prorelevant.com. So let me tell you a little bit about Dow Bergsma. Dow Bergsma joined Piedmont Healthcare as the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer, in February of 2020. He came to Piedmont with more than 27 years of marketing experience with two well-known brands uh, and companies, Georgia Pacific and Procter & Gamble. At Georgia Pacific, Dow was responsible for accelerating business growth, primarily through brand value, customer experience, and product and marketing innovation. He was its first chief marketing officer and was tasked with bringing a new consumer focus and transformation strategy to that arm of the business. Prior to that, he was at P&G for over 20 years in a variety of profit and loss roles, helping to transform strategy and innovation with customer-first positioning. His most recent role with P&G was, was as the marketing director of Pringles North America, where he led a turnaround, not just for the Pringles brand, but also to help lay the foundation for transforming P&G's marketing model and strategy. Bergsma attended the University of Groningen in the Netherlands, and he and his wife, Carolyn, live north of Atlanta with their rescued, retired, and active horses and other animals. Dow, welcome, and great to have you here today. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you very much. So uh, tell us about your backstory on how you got into marketing. Yeah, um, I was back in college, and uh, I was in business school in Groningen. And uh, as you go through the years, you know, the closer you get to graduating, at one point, uh, you have to kind of declare your direction. Uh, and I actually chose logistics. So I was doing my uh, internship, which was a six-month uh, program within a company on a uh, logistic challenge. It was, uh, it was a, a project for the broadcasting company in the Netherlands, which was at the time the largest broadcasting company and production company in Europe. And they just got privatized from government-owned to privately owned. And one of the challenges they had was, was logistics. Uh, so they hired a consultant, and then the consultant had me as a part of the team as an internship. I uh, love the project, but I realized that uh, logistics and supply chain and production was not the area I was most passionate about. And uh, so uh, late in my uh, career uh, at, uh, in college, I switched to marketing, and I asked the same company, said, hey, would you mind I do another internship and another thesis? Uh, and they were like, hey, yeah, go ahead. We know you and, you know, uh, you can help us with the marketing and a commercial challenge. So that's what I did. So I wrote two theses. One was a logistic thesis and one was a marketing one uh, when I graduated. And then after graduation, I got recruited by Procter & Gamble. And, you know, the rest is history, as they say. 
Yeah, fantastic. Well, the theses must have been uh, really good because uh, to get and to start with P&G out of college is uh, definitely uh, a, a, something that's not that easy to do. So uh, congratulations on that. So you're now at uh, Piedmont Healthcare. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, after a long period in uh, consumer products, goods, uh, and a variety of roles. Actually, in the, in the two decades I was at Procter, about half of that I was on the brand side, uh, running the P&L and the marketing for brands. And about the other half, I was actually in a sales organization. Uh, but it was always focused on consumer goods, working with retail uh, and marketing directly to consumers. Um, so I joined George Pacific after that. Uh, was my first uh, chief marketing officer. I was pretty excited. We uh, have a range of brands like Dixie and Brawny and Angelsoft and Quilted Norton and Sparkle and uh, Vanity Fair. And uh, that was very exciting. But at one point, you know, if you've been in CPG for the, the amount of time that I have been, I was looking for a different challenge and, uh, uh, and in a different industry. Uh, with the assumption, obviously I didn't know for sure, but the assumption that the knowledge and skills and experience I, I gained over the years in one industry could be of some value in another industry. Um, and as I was looking around, uh, Kevin Brown, the CEO of, of Piedmont, was looking for a chief marketing officer for Piedmont. He reached out to the, cha um, uh, the Atlanta Chamber of Commerce, um, they happened to know that I was, you know, quietly looking for another opportunity. So they connected me with Kevin and Kevin and I uh, struck a conversation. So I always say like, the question often is, why did you join healthcare? And my answer is always, I didn't join healthcare, I joined Piedmont. Because uh, I don't know if I would have joined any organization in healthcare, but his vision that he laid out uh, and his ambition uh, the purpose that really resonated with me. And I concluded that if that's the vision to transform healthcare, to make it more modern, forward thinking, further enhance the experience and the access, if that's truly the vision, I th think I can you know, add value with my experience coming from, from the CBG industry. Uh, so that's how I landed at Piedmont. Yeah, fantastic. Well, uh, it's definitely a, a big change, although I, um, I noticed from your bio and also uh, because we've known each other for quite a while, that one of the big things is focusing uh, all, all of your activities as a marketer really in understanding of, how it, of what your consumers are doing, how they're making decisions and things like that. And that's one of the things that impressed me with, uh, with your background. Yeah, if the consumer plays a set parole throughout the, throughout the work but you know isn't that what marketing all is about you know changing consumer perceptions and therefore changing their behaviors and uh that is a common thread through a marketing career regardless of what industry you're in in, in my opinion yeah absolutely and uh you'd be surprised though and i'm always surprised sometimes you as a marketer get kind of stuck in a cubby hole doing doing something and uh you quite often can lose that focus and uh, and really just think about, well, I've got to get this marketing, uh, this media plan out, or I've got to get this, uh, this campaign done. And then you kind of lose focus as to, wait a minute now, how is this going to affect the consumer behavior that we're really trying to, to affect? Yeah, you're right. And I've done that, rest assured. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, um, but hopefully not. 
to the to the, to the extent that it was detrimental to the to the brand that I was steward of yep. at the time. Absolutely. So uh, when you think about that, then so uh, tell us some of the differences between building a brand in consumer packaged goods versus building a brand in healthcare. Yeah, there, there's a there's there's a lot of differences. But before I highlight the differences, I also want to make sure that people realize there's also a lot of similarities. You know, the uh, engaging with consumers and marketing and building a brand. Um, has a lot of guidelines and principles that are true over time and true across industries. But if you look at the difference between CPG and, and healthcare, there, there's quite a few. Uh, first and foremost, obviously, the reason why people engage with the industry, you know, uh, in one area is for consumption and the other area is either, you know, to, to, to address a health issue uh, or like the, one of the most positive ones is prevent health issues or deliver a baby. You know, those are the exciting parts. Uh, all the way through, like, you know, transplant a liver or a heart where, where needed. So that's, that's a very obvious one. Another obvious one is how pricing and funding of the services work. Uh, you know, in CPG, you don't have an insurance to cover the cost of, you know, your laundry detergent. Where in healthcare, you have a healthcare insurance, uh, typically for your employer or for the government. Um, uh, the pricing, therefore, is set in a different way, uh, less frequent, less, less variable. Um, so that, that's another obvious difference. Uh, but from a marketing perspective, a few other things that I highlight, most healthcare brands are a single brand, where most CPG are a house of brands. Procter & Gamble, at the time I was there, we had over 100 brands across the world. At Georgia Pacific, we had about eight to nine brands, depending on the innovation project we were at. Here at Piedmont, there's just one brand, it's Piedmont. Uh, now, within that, you have a whole brand architecture. You know, you have Piedmont Heart, and you have Piedmont Oncology, and you have Piedmont Ortho, et cetera, et cetera. But it's all, it all rolls up on the Piedmont. That's, that's one big difference between healthcare and CPG. But it's very similar to, like, how car companies have a single brand and then the, and then the sub-brands underneath it. Um, another difference, obviously, is uh, it's very service-oriented, therefore very labor-intense, very location-important. Uh, and you own the whole chain from, you know, we own the buildings or, you know, or lease them the staff, the doctors, the devices, et cetera. Where in CPG, you sell to a retailer who then sells it to consumers. Uh, so that's another big difference. Culturally, a big difference is that marketing in CPG, I always say, plays a leading role, as in it's the number one to sometimes free priority combined with you know, sales and R&D. Uh, if you look at P&G, it was marketing and R&D. If you look at Georgia Pacific, it was sales production and, and marketing. Uh, in healthcare, marketing does not rank that high on the, on the ladder of priorities. Uh, you know, if you look at the spending levels, you look at the staffing, the sourcing, uh, the level of advancement and innovation, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not the industry that people turn to, to, to be inspired and to learn about marketing and brand building. You know, you look at Ken Lyons or the marketing masters or the AMA events. Um, 
you rarely see healthcare marketers talk about their branding accomplishments unless you are in a healthcare environment. So there's a ton of healthcare you know, conferences and podcasts and stuff. And obviously that's all about healthcare. But once you go outside and it's multi-industry, you know, you have the car companies and the QSRs and the CPGs and the uh, the car and the and the banks, but you know, you rarely see you know healthcare CMOs on stage at, at Ken Lyons, for example. Uh, mm. And and that's for a reason because marketing is not that big of a, a focus area for for most. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and uh, um, and I, I I think your point too about marketing leading the consumer packaged good uh, decision as opposed to healthcare being a little bit different. You've got. On the consumer packaged goods, it, I would consider that really a, a relatively a low consideration kind of a purchase, whereas healthcare is a very high consideration purchase. And and then your relationship with your healthcare professional has got to be very strong in in exactly what and how you're going to do next to either you know improve your health or like you said have a baby or you know check up on your health or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's interesting. I like if you look at it, you know, um, I think in Procter & Gamble's history, there was only one CEO, maybe two, that did not come from the marketing function. Mm. I think if you look at all healthcare systems around the world, through the two 300-year history, there might be two CEOs out there that came from the marketing function. So it's it's like one company you cannot imagine not being a marketer uh, from uh, from a function background and in healthcare that doesn't happen. Now it's true for other industries like banks and you know in, mm. uh, insurance and uh, probably retail, but uh, healthcare marketing has a lot of upside, in my opinion, uh, but has not earned that seat at the table to the extent it was uh, mm. they had the seat in, in CPG. Well, but with you uh, coming out of CPG and obviously bringing that wealth uh, and richness of knowledge in marketing, then Piedmont must have uh, seen that marketing and building the brand was, was important. What were some of the, if, if you can, uh, what would be some of the things that drove that impetus to say, hey, we need somebody from the outside that really understands brand building and, and putting the customer first, so to speak? Yeah, no, I, I had those conversations with, with Kevin Brown, our CEO, during the, uh, the interview process uh, before I joined. And one of the questions is like, I have no background, you know, my, 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 my mom was a nurse in her younger years and my dad was, was on the healthcare side when he was in the military. Uh, but other than that, I have no experience or background in, in healthcare uh, myself. And, um, and his answer was, that's why I'm very interested in you joining Piedmont because uh, he wanted to bring the outside in. And he wanted to bring expertise, skills, and knowledge from a industry where marketing was very well established into into healthcare as part of his transformation vision. Um, so it, it was it was by design, and you know, hopefully, I live up to the expectations. Uh, time will tell. But that that was uh, that was one of the key drivers to uh, to recruit me here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and uh, you know, I heard I heard you speak at the recent AMA event, 
and uh, it sounds like you've been successful. How have you been uh, measuring your success and and been building on that success? Yeah, well, I I led the conclusion of being successful to others, um, <laughs> but uh, we can't complain about the progress that we as a brand growth team have have experienced uh, in, in close partnership with with our colleagues across the different departments. Um, there's a few things that we've started to do different. Not all of them worked right away, and some of them actually never worked, uh, but a lot of things did work. Uh, the first thing we actually did is assessing our landscape and saying, okay, what are the, you know, what is the purpose of the system? What are the objectives? What is the, strate what is the strategic framework? What is the vision? And how can we align our efforts to that strategic framework, to that purpose, and to that vision? Um, and there we realized that in some areas, things were really well done, already in place. And in some areas, there were some gaps. Uh, one of the gaps that I, I, we noticed was that uh, the measurements and the metrics. Um, there, at the time, there was no clarity and consistency uh, on several metrics. And, and we put those in place so that we were clear, like, okay, this is our ambition. These are the goals and this is how we measure it. So we start to measure our brand health uh, more consistent and start acting against it. We continue to measure our, our what we call our brand activation uh, and our short-term conversion efforts, which were already in place. So, you know, we call office visits and, and patient count uh, operating margin. Uh, and the one thing that was also in place at the time is measuring the adoption of our digital tools like online bookings, online check-in, adoption of the Piedmont MyCharts uh, app. Um, but we, we started there, let's get clarity on the metrics and the KPIs that we are responsible and accountable for. And uh, that was step number one. Step number two is then, okay, how are we going to get there? And, and what, we've, what we've developed and introduced is, is a more holistic approach where we look at six elements of marketing. Uh, you know, first assess the landscape, you know, who's the competition, how are we performing, uh, what are the ambitions of the organization as a whole. The second obviously is about targeting and understanding who are the consumers and the patients we're after from a Piedmont level, which is one thing, but all the way down to a physician and a practice. You can only imagine that if we want to grow our labor and delivery uh, volume, that target is very different from if we want to you know, grow our heart transplant. Um, so we, we, we stepped that up and further expanded that. Uh, we created uh, an insights and analytics department uh, promoted some folks there. Uh, we have a great leader there and, and literally started to develop a data-driven science-based marketing and brand building approach. Uh, the third thing we did is uh, continue to develop uh, the brand positioning. Like what, what does Piedmont stand for in the hearts and minds of the consumers in the state of Georgia? Uh, Atlanta is one thing, but, you know, we moved into Augusta, we are re recent in Athens and Columbus, we're moving into Macon. So what is it we stand for and what is our brand positioning? So we did all of that homework. Some of that was already in progress. Some of that was completely uh, in place and some of that needed, needed some, uh, you know, attention. And then we translated that to three efforts. One was the brand building, making sure we drive our long-term brand health. Second was brand, what we call brand activation, which is all about translating the brand into, 
into sales, into patients, into consumers. It's all about conversion, you know, an area that you're very familiar with for your company. Uh, and then the third one is drive what we call brand orchestration, which is all about optimizing the consumer experience. Mm. Um, so the first one is more about awareness and, and, and favorability. The second one is more about conversion, office visits in our case, and the operating margin. And the third area is more about the adoption of our digital tools and the net promoter score. Um, and if you do those six things, things should start going your way. And they actually did. So uh, we were very pleased with the results that we have. Uh, in our first two years, and keep in mind, we did all of that while dealing with COVID. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, I, I joined five weeks before we had our first COVID patient. So I let all these ambitions that were like very <laughs> high on the priority list the first five weeks. And then after that was all COVID. But in the background, we managed to do everything I just described. Yeah, that's a pretty good multitasking. And that um, as a healthcare provider, when uh, COVID struck, Man, oh man, that uh, you know, through uh, that more than any other business, probably you know, healthcare, uh, you know, and into uh, into some crazy times. So uh, good for you. Yeah, and, uh, I always joked, you know, the world was on fire, and I just joined the fire department, and it was uh, <laughs> talking about difference between CPG and healthcare. You know, I. I you know, my colleagues at George Pacific were like, oh, we're out of toilet paper and we're so out of demand and the whole country is looking for toilet paper. Like, I would sign on to your problem in a heartbeat because <laughs> being short on toilet paper is really different than being short on vending machines and masks and nurses. And like, in your case, it's very inconvenient. In our case, you know, lives are at stake. Right. Uh, so that was a very, very big difference that became very clear very early on in my uh, in my uh, career in healthcare. Yeah, absolutely. What a what a way to start, you know, start the uh, your career in healthcare is uh, right away with uh, COVID. Wow. Um, you know, the other thing too uh, that uh, comes to mind when I think about CPG uh, as a product based, uh, you know, a, a, a well defined product versus a service-based business where you have a lot of different touch points. Uh, and so it must, does that also mean that your marketing stakeholders are not just patients and new patients, but it's also your internal service providers and healthcare providers that are on your team? Yeah, and, and, and like other service industries, uh, a lot of a lot of the things you do, it's important to get your employees and your staff aligned to your efforts, right? You can't say, hey, we stand for this. And you know, your employees like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. That's not who we are. Um, so there, there, there are several constituents. One is obviously the consumer slash patient. Uh, the second, obviously, our employees. Keep in mind, with 37,000 employees, we are the largest or one of the largest employers in the state of Georgia. Um, Noma Free is the physicians. Now, many of the physicians are employees, but there's also a large part of physicians that are affiliated to Piedmont, use the Piedmont brand. They're part of the Piedmont brand, but not part of the Piedmont organization hmm. uh, so those those are so physicians actually split in two you know employed and non-employed um, then you obviously have um, 
your employees, your physicians, your consumers, and then you have other stakeholders, whether it's the local uh, community leaders, whether it's employers that you know pay for the services of their employees. It's obviously it's the payers or the insurers. It's the local politicians and administrators because uh, the role of a hospital or the role of a healthcare system, especially in smaller communities, is is immense. You know, uh, a good hospital could make or break the growth of a community. Uh, typically, we're the number one or number two employer of that county or that city or that community. Uh, we're typically the, the organization that has the vendors and the suppliers depend on. So the economic impact of a healthcare system in any community is 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 pretty large. Uh, the benefits to the community is is obviously you know almost uh, indispensable uh, because you provide the healthcare. So those are a few differences. So you have a lot of constituents, but for us and for for my team, it's consumers and uh, and patients first, and second one is the physicians because I also oversee our sales department. We call that physician outreach, where we where we focus on physicians referring their patients to our specialty care physicians if and when their patients need specialty care. Mm, interesting. Yeah, interesting. I hadn't thought about the, uh, the referral side of it uh, from a sales perspective. Uh, yeah, very, very and, interesting. Yeah, there's a big B2B part to this. Mm. Uh, I often talk about the BDC, uh, but there, there's a whole B2B arm to, uh, to this work as well. Yeah, and it's that complexity that uh, actually makes makes marketing fun because it uh, it's I mean not that working for PNG wouldn't be fun, but having the B to C and then the B to B and then also the 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 uh, the magnitude of the different uh, number of stakeholders and stuff like that really makes a, a big difference and offers a lot of interesting challenges. Yeah, no, and 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 add to that. Uh, thanks for mentioning that. Uh, in CPG, it's not common to combine communication on the, the CMO and the marketers. Some actually do, but when I got to Piedmont, and I think it's more common in healthcare, I also oversee internal and external communication. Mm. And during COVID, that's actually where most of my time went. Uh, you know, you mm. had to communicate with your employees and your physicians nonstop about the latest and you know, information on COVID, visitor policies, do we have masking or not, uh, social distancing, uh, you know, what is the CDC saying on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday? Um, and then external communications was uh, has a massive role. Um, compared to what I've been used to in CPG, if you look at your impressions, you know, as a, as a, as a standard measurement unit, the impressions that we generate through our PR and earned media are so much larger than any of our marketing and paid media. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I could air nonstop on TV at every station in Georgia. The impressions that I would get for that are still not close to what I'm getting for the PR efforts. So that hmm. was another big difference because people want to hear from you know your doctors or they want to hear about the new wing in the hospital or the new tower or the expansion into Augusta. Um, you know, I remember working at some of the toilet paper brands at, at Georgia Pacific and getting PR attention to toilet paper <laughs> before COVID was 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 a pretty interesting challenge like what do you talk about what you write about 
uh, and we would celebrate if we got earned media maybe like a few times a year. <laughs> yeah. Pete Mom, we're in the media across Georgia several times a day. Mm. Uh, and it, and that, you know, we during COVID, we've been on international networks, national networks a lot, uh, and obviously nonstop on, on regional, uh, you know, statewide or city specific networks. Uh, so that's a whole different dimension, making it all very interesting. Yeah, as, absolutely. As yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I could imagine that that really gives you, you know, domain expertise and being, you know, being then looked upon as being a, uh, the domain experts in this case on COVID or in, now on, on things like doing transplants here in Georgia or whatever it happens to be. So uh, yeah, I can imagine that'd be a very big piece, especially too, when you're, uh, when you have such a high consideration decision that has to be made about, you know, where do I go for my health and, you know, can I trust them and do they really know something better or worse uh, or not from, uh, from, you know, some competitive alternatives? Yeah. 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 So now one thing I did want to go back, which I thought was also kind of fascinating, um, you know, normally uh, I'm like kind of an old uh, four P's kind of guy, product price, place, promotion. And uh, in CPG, of course, uh, price and relative price makes a difference and, you know, what the promoted price is and things like that. But here in healthcare, the, the price almost uh, is, uh, is unimportant or is, is that not, not correct? Because you're, the payer is actually what you're paying in your insurance. Uh, there might be a deductible involved, but technically the insurance provider is, is the one that's doing the paying. And so the price is maybe not as much as or not as important as it might otherwise be in uh, consumer packaged goods. Is that, is that true or is that not true? Uh, it, it depends. It's, it's more true uh, than it was in CPG. Uh, if you're insured through your employer and you have uh, a low deductible pricing is probably less of a variable when you make your choice than when you're uninsured mm. or uh, where you have a high deductible um, so where in cpg pricing was you know the number one two or three attribute that people looked at uh, or they would state it's like not important until you know buy one get one free in the store and all of a sudden became the driver uh, for for impulse buy. You don't have that in healthcare. Like we don't have you know flu shot coupons and you know <laughs> get 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 your COVID and your flu yeah. sh uh, get your COVID test and get the flu shots for free. Uh, so that's like I, I made jokes when I got here. Like where are coupons? Like. It's, it's it worked really well in in in, in paper plates for Dixie, um, so it's 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 a different variable. It's not unimportant, but it's not as prevalent as as it would be in other industries because yeah, of yeah. the insurance. But it also depends on you know how you are insured uh, and what kind of insurance you have. Yeah, I don't think you could uh, lead a marketing campaign with something like, you know, get a heart transplant and and we'll throw in a liver for free or something like that. No, that's yeah, that's we we don't have that. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> yeah, the the future is very long and uh, and wide open for us. So uh, so now you've built the brand, uh, you've done a lot, and uh, you know you've definitely got this this train now in motion, and things are flowing pretty well. How have the have your competitors responded? Uh, it's it, 
it's it's very hard to say if they have responded and how they responded. Um, Georgia is blessed with great providers. Uh, if you look at some of the other healthcare systems, you know, there I don't think there's a bad one. Uh, I I tend to believe that Piedmont is the best, but you know, I'm kind of biased. <laughs> uh, and uh, but you know, consumers and patients in Georgia, uh, especially if you're closer to the larger cities, uh, have access to to great options. Uh, in Atlanta, you got more options than than in other areas, but it's you know the state is blessed with with good competitors. The quality across the the systems, I think, is the one that is very hard to compete on. Uh, first of all, you know everybody has good quality. Uh, most of them have good safety. Uh, some a little more than others. You know people. You know, is the is the safest and has the most quality awards, but it's very hard to measure for a consumer to say, "How do you know that actually I'm with the best?" Um, so for healthcare systems, it becomes important that outside of quality, you also compete uh, on, or you offer services in the other areas. Experience being one of them. It's one thing to be among the best. In healthcare, have the best doctors, the best devices, you know, the best buildings. Uh, it's a whole other thing to navigate that. Um, and so Piedmont competes mostly on access. Uh, so, you know, with 1,400 locations across the state of Georgia, 80% of Georgia residents live within an hour of a Piedmont facility. No other system has that, you know. Mm -hmm. Like all the other large systems are pretty Atlanta focused or very regional. Uh, we are also compete on integration. We have services, you know, from urgent care, quick care, primary care, all the way to behavioral health. Uh, almost no other system has that where you can get almost all your healthcare needs. I, I did ask if we were getting into veterinarian services or dental services, and I don't think we are, but you get the point. Um, and then we also want to make it sure, on top of quality access and integration, we also want to make sure that it is a modern, forward-thinking, easy experience to navigate all of that. And that's where healthcare is very different from many other industries. You know, I always joke it's easier to book a hotel in the city of Melbourne, Australia, than it sometimes is to make an appointment with your own primary care physician down the road. And that's what where, where Piedmont wants to transform healthcare and change that. That's why we always say real change lives here, because uh, that's the area where we say we're not there yet, but we want to be closer to those other industries like airlines, like hospitality, when it comes to finding and booking a doctor online, you know, checking in before you walk in and have all your information conveniently in one place. Um, from a competitive perspective, we don't see them us following us in all those areas. You know, we're the only one that covers 80% of Georgia. We're the only one that have this level of integration. We're the only ones that are this far ahead on a easy navigating and simple engagement with the system, even though we're still not where we want to be. Uh, but we do see them following. We do see that other healthcare systems are, you know, engaging with vendors that we've engaged well for many, many years. 
we see them, you know, if you go to their website, you know, pushing online bookings and understanding and directory listings and search optimization. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> you also see a lot of healthcare providers investing a lot in billboards and local printed paper and, uh, you know, making appointments through, through, through the phone. And so I would say the, the level of development from the services that Piedmont offers and how we market it, um, I would say is among the top healthcare systems in the nation. It's not as far developed as I wish it was compared to other industries. Um, but you also have to realize that we work in an industry where, you know, in some areas, some healthcare systems still have marketing approaches in place that are not too different from what we did in the 80s and the 90s. Uh, and uh, I didn't expect that range of difference within one industry. In CPG, there's a difference, but mm. it's relatively narrow. Um, in healthcare, it's the new 2023 marketing all the way back to 1985 marketing. And I'm sure mm. I can find that going, you know, into an individual independent practice, or I can go to a healthcare system. Uh, and the reason I'm comfortable saying that, uh, when I joined, we had 11 hospitals. Today we have 22, so we acquired quite a few, and I could see what others were doing because we, we are, they joined the system, and we get like, well, what have you gone done for the last you know 200 years? Uh, mm. Where are you at today? And uh, and uh, it was a wide range of experiences. Sometimes they were ahead of what we did. And sometimes, you know, there was a big gap and we were trying to catch them up. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, too. Um, you know, one of the things with a, a service-based business is you really don't know how good the service or the, 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 you know, the product, so to speak, that you're receiving is until you get it. And as a patient, it's not like I can go try, you know, this doctor for this and that doctor for the same thing and say, okay, I like this one versus that one. In CPG, I can buy Unilever, I can buy P&G, I can buy you know, Georgia Pacific, and I can try all the brands that are there and say, yep, I like this one better because. But in, uh, in this kind of a, a case, you, the, you, know, you, you just don't have anything to really compare against. And it, it lacks a lot of transparency for the patients. And, and I could then see where building the brand would be a, a big piece of yeah, that, but, uh, that decision. Yeah, and when people are choosing their healthcare provider, whether it's a you know, primary care physician or, or, you know, a specialist, a lot of variables play into them. Number one is always, you know, do they accept my insurance? Uh, so that check, that's a yes or no mm -hmm. answer, right? Number two is typically, uh, are they close to home and do they have availability in the near future? So mm -hmm. those three, you know, insurance, distance, availability, those three play a big role. But even if you narrow it, if you look at those, you still have multiple choices. Um, and then reputation of the system, as well as the individual physician, comes into play a lot. Uh, and then, you know, and that reputation is influenced by a lot of things, quality and service being, and, you know, bedside manners and compassion is one part. But a big part of that is also the experience. Like, how easy mm -hmm. is it for me to find an appointment, research the doctor online, get his bio, have a video? Uh, can I book an appointment either easy for uh, the services online or for the phone? Um, and, you know, 
as I engage with 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 the with the healthcare system, you know, is it easy to change my appointment, get in, get out, uh, payment? Is it clear to understand? All of that plays into it. Now, keep in mind, you know, I, I'm always made a joke when I'm speaking in public. The average marriage in the United States lasts about six years. Uh, you know, <laughs> not a good number, but you know, you're. You're with your spouse on average six years. Uh, some of the data suggests that if you start a relationship with your physician, it lasts about nine years. So think about that. You know, your relationship with your physician is longer than with your spouse on average. Uh, so you might want to, you know, make sure you get the right one. Very different in CBG, where people stand it by multiple brands in the same category mm. a year. Uh, and loyalty is not that high, you know, you might have a relationship with the brand for, for a long time, but you typically also have other brands doing that same time. Not so much in healthcare. You don't have two to three different oncologists. You don't have multiple uh, primary care physicians. A little bit different than quick care and urgent care where people have less right. loyalty to the physician and more to the facility or to the location. Um, and, and it, that's happening more in younger consumer segments. But in general, it's, it's a long-term choice. Um, and therefore, the credibility of the brand and the reputation of the individual go hand in hand. Yeah, very interesting, and I like your analogy of uh, you know of, <laughs> of marriage and uh, your your marriage to your healthcare provider. That is uh, very yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. What a and fifty percent longer. That's a that's a big difference. Yeah, it is. It is. Now, the intensity is less, you know, and the frequency yeah. and the interaction is less. But still, I, w I was shocked when I was looking up those numbers. Like, I wonder how long people stay with a, with a physician. Like, oh, nine years. And then, like, how long are people married, actually? And, and then I, I looked it up, like, oh, wow. And it gets worse when it's your second and your third marriage. But don't get me started on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me uh, change the, uh, the topic just a tad. Uh, what would be your advice for a young marketer that wanted to choose to get into healthcare marketing or into CPG or maybe even something else? What would be your advice to a young marketer? Well, there's, there's a few things. And uh, I think you and I talked about it. I teach uh, a week-long class in, in, in Cannes during the summer at the Cannes Lions, and they're all like 25 to 31 years old kind of a group. So they're typically in the second, third job. And then I do guest lectures at uh, Georgia State and uh, uh, NYU. And um, there's a few answers to that question. The first thing is for any young marketer or, or anybody that is starting a career in any field, you need to decide to what extent you want to climb, camp, or quit. And, uh, and that's, that's an active choice. And, you know, everybody in the world at this stage in the career commits to climbing, but a lot of people during the process end up camping without realizing that, um, but they still believe that they need to be rewarded. They need to have the benefits of a climber. And so my, my, my first recommendation to everybody is Decide what you want to do. If you want to climb, you know, do everything that's needed to climb. It's hard. There's a lot of barriers. Uh, you need to make sure you surround yourself with the right people. 
find the right mentors, the right colleagues, the right employer, et cetera, et cetera. If you're camping, that's fine too, but don't expect the same returns as the climbers do. You can't sit there and, you know, go through the motion day in, day out and, oh, it's just a job. And I'm, I'm working here because I need funding for my real passion, which is outside of work. And that's perfectly fine. But don't expect to be the first one to get promoted or to get the salary increase or to get the resources or get the funding. And a lot of people mistake for, hey, if I'm camping here, I do want all the benefits of a climber. It doesn't work like that, in my opinion and my experience. The second recommendation I always have, and it's, it's a bit of, maybe a bit of a cliche, and a lot of people have heard it before, it's make sure that whatever you choose, that first and foremost, it's in line with your values, whatever those values and beliefs are. Uh, as you progress through your career, the values and beliefs of your employer and your colleagues becomes more and more important. Now, out of personal preference and personal choice, there's a several industries I I chose not to work in, you know, uh, I don't want, you know, I'm a vegetarian, so therefore I prefer not to work in the meat industry. Well, meat industry excludes QSR, excludes, you know, a lot of others that you don't mm. think of, but, you know, some great brands on this planet evolve around selling hamburgers and chicken sandwiches. Um, uh, I chose not to work in alcohol or cigarettes or gambling. So there's a few areas where I say, hey, I don't do that. Now, if that's because it's not aligned with my personal values and beliefs, and I feel good about that, and therefore I accept the consequences of these choices. The second thing I would tell folks, once you figure out what your values and beliefs are, um, and by saying that it does help me because a lot of people are aligned to the purpose and the reason for being of healthcare systems. We get fantastic talent where I know like, wow, you can make more money, have cooler jobs by not coming to Piedmont. And yet you're here and they're like, yeah, that was great, but I really don't want to be doing X, Y, Z. I really want to help the people mm. that save lives. And and um, the second is value is like is what your work you're doing is valued and that's easy, very easy to figure out because you know if you're valued people have jobs and paying jobs and benefits for you. The third area is obviously do something that you're talented in. Uh, uh, you know, uh, good to great would say make sure it's, you're the best in the world at it. But if you're that early in your career, it's very hard to figure out what your superpower is. And the last one. And I know there's a lot of disagreement and confusion on that, uh, but do something that you are passionate about. Uh, and that's also the hardest for people early in their career to figure out, am I really passionate about marketing? And if marketing, you know, what part of marketing? You and I are both marketers, but we work in very different areas of, of the marketing, you know, uh, universe. Right. Uh, are you going to be more on the creative side working in an agency? Are you going to be more on the analytics side working in insights and analytics? Even within my team, you see the extremes. Uh, my insights folks are marketers and my PR folks, I, I see them as marketers and brand growth. Um, but, you know, the former journalist that writes the internal uh, newsletter has very different backgrounds and a very different, you know, growth aspirations than my analytics leader or than my physician outreach leader. Um, so even within marketing, figure out what your passion is. But having said that, don't be afraid to test out different things and be open-minded. Say, hey, if this is what I really like to do, 
but maybe for the next two years, I'm going to try this and maybe I like it. And if I don't, you know, you get back on the, on the, on the, on the, on the journey mm -hmm. that you were before. Yeah. That's one of the things I like about uh, what uh, P and G and some of the other larger marketers, marketing organizations do is you get to try things as you move around the organization and purposefully get a rounded background, but also to find out what you might like and what you don't like. Yeah, and, and the, the one thing I would add to that, I was at Proctor for 19 years for that reason. Every time I thought, okay, what's next? They were willing and able to give me a challenge that, you know, thrilled me. Like, oh, wow, I'm going to the U.S. Oh, wow, you know, they're asking me to set up a whole new industry, which later came, you know, as shopper marketing. If I look back those 19 years and, you know, the current generation is something that looked like you were one employer for that long, wow, you know. Uh, and I was like, yeah but it was many different roles within the same organization. Mm -hmm. At Georgia Pacific, I had, was one title, one role for nine years. But the reason I was there for nine years, within that CMO role, there were so many different aspects that, that made the jobs interesting. Uh, you know, the digital transformation, e-commerce, uh, retailers, media. Uh, building in-house agencies, building an in-house media agency, building an in-house design shop. Uh, there were a lot of things we did in those nine years that I would never thought when I got the job, you know, back in 2011, like, oh, this is the CMO job, this is how to find. But it changed over all those years. So for any young marketer, I would say variation comes through different jobs, for sure. Mm. But it also can come within the job. But raise your hand and, you know, ask for the stuff. You know, the, 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 some of the biggest challenges you have as a supervisor, as a leader, is not knowing what your people want or what they're interested are. Uh, it sometimes are clear, like, hey, I want a better title. I'm, you know, I'm a brand manager. I want to be a senior brand manager. Uh, so that's, or I make $100. I, I want to make $120. I got that. But what is it you want to do? What is your day-to-day -day life going to be? And sometimes I ask folks, you know, write your own job description. If you could, you know, within our organization, do anything, what would your job look like? Just write it down. And uh, a lot of people are not clear in articulating mm -hmm. that. They're, they're often focused on compensation and title, which I understand. But you should be more focused on the day-to-day -day activities and the skills that you are developing and the experience that you will have. Yeah, exactly. And actually, that ends up being a very good way to give a review is to point the review in terms of well, what are the skills that and what are the experiences that you need to have to be able to get to the level that you the level or the position or the opportunity that you'd like to have uh, makes a lot of sense. And I really appreciate that. And I think, you know, young marketers, uh, because they're, you know, coming out of college or have had maybe one or two jobs, but, uh, you know, having that, that, an understanding of how to really make a decision as to what their their next couple of years or the next 10 years are going to be is uh, really critical. Thank you uh, so much for that. Um, before we close, anything else you'd like to uh, mention? Yeah, I um, one of the things that I didn't realize early on and became more and more important as I progressed and also share with a lot of folks started earlier than I did is the networking. Uh, I know you're, you know, you're great at it. You are running into you at many events and you're an author, you're playing leading role at the American Marketing Association. And so that's how we met, right? Uh, uh, but the role of networking is, is really important for multiple reasons. Uh, one is gain knowledge. 
Now, through the years, I gained the most knowledge and had the best insights through the conversations and interactions I had with others. Sometimes it was a peer, sometimes it was a vendor, sometimes it was a direct report or a formal direct report. Um, so it, 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 it keeps your eyes open to what's out there. Uh, this, the second thing of the networking is kind of knowing what's out there from a, from a working perspective and experience and skills. So nothing is more informative to talk to somebody and say, hey, what is it you do? Like you and I just had this conversation mm. earlier. And what makes you tick? And why like, isn't that exciting? Or why is it exciting? Uh, and how do you got there? And that can help you inform like, oh, maybe that's some area I need to go to. And then the third area of network, which is the one everybody knows, is like, well, whenever you need a job, your network is what you want to go to. But networking is so much more than that, than that job opportunity creation. It's also gaining knowledge and getting perspectives and see alternative routes. Um, mm. And it took me a while. I, I actually started my networking efforts on a large scale after I left B&G. Uh, when I was at Georgia Pacific and realized, wow, you know, all of a sudden everybody's looking at me for the best in class marketing knowledge. And you know, I got a lot after, you know, my time at PNG, but you know, it's going to be outdated soon. Mm. And where do I go? And that's when I started my networking journey to realize that I could have started it like way earlier in my career. Yeah, Other I think than the networking within your company, like that's, that's yeah, a given, yeah, right? But yeah. it's, it's the networking outside of your your safe environment that i'm referring to yeah and, and same here guilty as charged when i first got out of college it was five or ten years before i realized how important networking was and and uh, you know you just don't seem to have the or i remember back it, it it just didn't seem like i had the time to be able to spend going to networking events and now you know i'd rather be networking and talking to people and and talking to learn and getting to know them, but also to learn new things. And if I can pick up, pick up one new nugget at any networking event, then I feel that that's a success. Yeah, I know. I know that's, that's the case for you. Uh, and, um, and, and it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you can call us old school, but when we say networking, we don't mean social networking yes. and having, <laughs> you know, ex followers and friends or, you know, yep. you, different platforms it's literally having a a person a personal connection with somebody you know it's it's, it's about cultivating warm relationships uh, with people inside and outside of your your safe environment absolutely absolutely well uh Dow, thank you uh, so much i'm so glad to have you today and talk with you today and learn a little bit uh, a lot about uh, Piedmont and then healthcare and and uh, and then your background and everything. Really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me and thanks for highlighting Piedmont. Absolutely. And uh, so for the audience, please stay tuned for many other videos in this series of the backstory on marketing. Please visit marketingmachine.prorelevant.com and you can download the first chapter of my book and other valuable excerpts. And uh, also, don't forget to sign up for more episodes in the podcast series that goes with it. And if you like this podcast, please rate it with five stars. Dow, thank you so much. Thank you. And if you need a physician, go to peatbomb.org. <laughs> <laughs> I will. <laughs>